Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Hi, everyone. It's Wendy. Thank you so much for joining me today for another edition of Overcoming Your Emotional Eating. Today's podcast, I'm talking about something that I've talked about here and there, but never really in a full-fledged kind of platform like this podcast that I did today. The reality is the word desire has a negative connotation, but when you really look at the background of desire, desire is what absolutely impacts us with our motivation. It enables us to move forward in the direction which we choose to, as opposed to being in reaction or or pushing things away or being in the negative. Desire moves us towards things, moves us into longing, motivation, and movement. Desire isn't something that we need to steer away from. It's something we need to own understand, and even encapsulate and embrace. On today's podcast, you'll hear me talk about desire in the facet of food and why and how we can move ourselves into allowing that part of us to desire and long again. And in that, we will truly find our freedom with food and potentially with life as well, if you allow that. And please take a look at www.wendyfrancis.com. Got a lot of new things coming out. And I promise there's a surprise coming out in the fall too. Starting some group coaching. We're also going to host some events in 2023, as well as some individual consults. However, I've got a special surprise coming out in the next two to three months. I'll keep you up to date on that. So keep checking back for some new things so I can continue to help you overcome. Excellent. So as I mentioned tonight, I'm not actually talking about, it's something I've really, I guess I think more and more about, particularly as I get older. And the truth is, I think that the reality is when I was a teenager, Maybe I thought some about this, but I think I would think it and act on it. And I probably acted on it quicker than I thought about it, (laughs) which is just how we are as teenagers, right? We're in that reaction a lot as adolescents. And part of this was that I wasn't really able as a teenager or adolescent to necessarily contemplate this kind of component of life. In fact, I think the more women that I meet and talk to both professionally and personally, the more I recognize it's not as true for men. And I I hate to, I hate to do that because I don't like to kind of put a line between male and female, but I do think that it's more acceptable in our community and our culture that men can express their desire much more than women can. And when we talk about desire, that word, many people think about it in a variety of ways. It's like certain buzzwords 
you say, and you know where people's minds are going to go. Desire is a different kind of word. And the reality is, is I've worked with clients, if you say desire, they will immediately think of a chocolate cake. Other people I've met and or worked with, I might say desire, and they might think about uh, an alcoholic beverage or drugs or sex or gambling or maybe for some people could be a beautiful uh, cashmere sweater that they desire or a certain kind of car that they desire. But the truth is there is a congruent link between desire, food, and life which really can determine where we go, our destiny in in some respects. Desire and destiny are almost the same word. Desire derives from the Latin desiderare, to long or wish for, which itself derives from desider, which is from the stars, suggesting that the original sense is to await what the stars will bring, which is interesting when we think about desire in our culture because many people will either, one, not feel their desire, and I'll talk about that because it absolutely plays into how we eat one way or the other. Or, so either we shut down our desire or we overindulge our desire, or we shut down our desire and we backpedal it, or we, we do our desires in secret, which you hear more and more about in our culture. Desires constantly arise from within us. It's normal and it's natural. And when one desire arises, a lot of times another desire will arise. And without this continuous stream, there would no longer be a reason to do anything. Without having this sense of desire, life would come to a grinding halt. So people that don't have any desire, an acute short-term crisis of desire, so to speak, corresponds to maybe the feeling of boredom. A chronic crisis of desire corresponds to the feeling of depression. So you see, having that innate desire, whether that be for a chocolate cake or a glass of wine or a drug or gambling or sex or a car or a cashmere sweater, that desire truly moves us forward. Desire for food can and does present itself as a craving. Most people don't walk around and say, I'm desiring a chocolate donut, (laughs) right? We're saying, I'm craving, but I'm going to use those terms, you know, overlay those terms because I think the reality is, right, a craving really is a desire. They're the same thing. It's just the way that we speak about them. We so often are taught that desiring or craving is bad. It's rare that we're taught to desire. In fact, many of us, myself definitively included, especially younger years, you know, if I was desiring or craving something, there were many a time it may have been shut down. We may have not had the money. Money doesn't grow on trees, right? We're not able to fulfill that desire, so we might as well just shut it down. 
the media has its own way of twisting and portraying food as being either very bad or very good for you. So the media also sets up this really interesting juxtaposition about food, desire, and what comes next. This is where it gets super interesting, and this is something I have watched for years, and the truth is it's only getting weirder, and I, I don't know how else to say that. For example, food has a strong connection to our body, right? We know this, since it's one of the factors that we all look at in determining one's body weight. So how does media use food in advertising? But this is the really interesting part when we look at desire or craving. In the media, we predominantly see food being used as a desiring object, or some people might lead into it as a sex object, right? So it means to achieve the fabulous skinny body everybody dreams of, so you have to keep this food kind of out there and long for it or desire for it, but you're not able to fulfill the desire. It's rare particularly in marketing and media, to see a woman fulfilling that craving or desire with food in a healthful way. Now, a few years ago, the tables turned for years and years. If you go back through the media, it's very cool to look at. I've watched a lot of presentations on this. But the media totally shut women down, so to speak, in the way that nobody ate. <laughs> it was like we were allowed to look at the beautiful hamburger and long after it and crave it and desire it, but it was never in our mouths. Then what happened a few years ago is we saw all these images crash forward in almost the worst fashion is that we were fulfilling our desire, but we were gorging. And you'll see those images. So the reality is that the media portrays our desires either as we can't eat them or we shouldn't delve into them or we're overindulging. Every day you'll see these ads. If you look for them on TV, social media, you'll see them all over the place. It's really interesting. As a result, many food advertisements include women that reach a targeted group of men. And conversely now, we're seeing some other advertising using males in different formats around this facet of desire and food. It's kind of coming, it's dripping in slowly. So in those ads, right, we have sexy, provocative women with this food out here that shows the desire for the food, not necessarily eating it, and then they've got this really svelte, attractive body. And so then what are we saying about desire? You're allowed to have it, but you can't fulfill it. And if you don't fulfill the desire, here's in fact how you will look. It's a really interesting message that we have culturally around desire and how we're not really allowed to like talk about it, delve into it, understand it, own it, speak it, whatever that might be. And we know what's interesting even more so is we know that those messages or those advertisements sell food much easier. They sell food. And because we recognize that it's paralleling how the culture views desire with respect to food. To sell products, many dieting companies use the before and after picture testimonials of women, right, in order to help that. It's rare that we put food in the mix of that because 
we're just focused on the person themselves. We're aiming to shape women's perspective to relate in comparison situation. And really, those kind of marketing predominance or images are really just talking food is out of the mix, desire is out of the mix. It's very objective. But those messages are really targeted more at females, right? So it's an interesting kind of advertisement when you look at these different genres of marketing and what it's saying about desire. On one side, right, they use food as a sex object and it's seductive, but you're not allowed to necessarily eat it. You're not allowed to give in to the desire. And if you don't give in, then you'll look like this. If you do give in, then what happens? right, then we can make all kind of unconscious messages out of that. And we wonder why women have a really hard time expressing their desire in food and expressing their desire in life. However, it's desire that moves us. It gives us direction. It gives us meaning. Maybe not meaning in like the big cosmic sense, but meaning more in the narrative sense, like motivation. Desire gives us motivation. I'm constantly asked by doctors, practitioners, therapists, etc., how do I get my client to be motivated or she's just not motivated? And the reality is, is if we're taught not to desire things or if we're taught that desire is a bad thing, how do we find motivation? The reality is, is we have to tap into our desire to be healthy on all levels, from food to life. So herein lies the paradox of desire or craving, especially when it comes to food. We are allowed to desire food, but only if it's seductive, right? If we look at the marketing messaging that I talked about. Yet we have to keep ourselves skinny to be able to eat these foods in a way that fulfills the desire. Well, then we're in big trouble, right? So that seems really hard which is why I really think so many people keep their desires hidden. I also think that we're shamed a lot for our desires when we're younger, and it doesn't necessarily always fit in to cultural standards. Now, I also think that now in the last couple of years, we have some interesting desires being played out on social media, which I think are the extreme backlash of generations never expressing their desires. And now I see these young ones, teenagers, young 20s, mid 20s, expressing their desire to the fullest and to the extreme in a way that I find maybe not so healthy either. But for the older generation and some younger that haven't been allowed to express their desire, Right? It's true on so many levels, like food, life, you know, whether it be cars or, or sex or houses or cashmere sweaters. We're taught not to speak of it. We're taught to hide it. We're taught to put it in a box or maybe not even to have it at all. But what if desire is the language of the rebel? I talked about the rebel last week or maybe it's the week before, but I talked about the rebel, and I believe desire is the language of the rebel, right? That part of us, as I mentioned when I was a teenager, I remember desire something and acting on it. 
sometimes around money, I definitely wasn't allowed to desire at all. Wasn't there. Around food, I don't think I was allowed to do that either because that equated to money. But if I wanted to stay out, if I desired to stay out with my friends late and do some things that was a little rebellious, I totally did it. And if we shut down and shun down our rebel, well, then we shut down and shun down our desire. And as I've grown into an adult woman, I recognize more and more that as adult women, we don't really talk about those desires. And so we put them in a box, we put them in private, and we wonder why we either feel like we're living an incongruent life or, you know, so many people get shut down, and this is for men too, get shut down and depressed. Why do you get depressed? Because you are not enabling that spark of desire to be within you. How many women eat foods they desire in their pantry? How many women or men eat foods in private, in their car, in their pantry, in a closet, at their house where no one is? How many of you desire that, but you won't allow it or you won't share it with others and Therefore, that rebel sneaks up, grabs that food, and gives it to you, so to speak. Those who restrain desire do so because theirs is weak enough to be restrained by William Blake. Now, I believe that no one's desire is too weak to be restrained. I actually believe that we all have desire. Depression is just desire totally shut down realistically. And if you look at impulses, those are desires acted out too quickly. There is a middle ground. What if we decided instead of feeding our desire to get a sense of what we're really seeking? Instead of just shutting down our desire or enacting it in a way that's maybe unhealthy for us or unhealthy for others, What if we actually sat with that desire, sat with the rebel, gave it the language and understood it? Because the reality is that's what we were born to do. That's how you have that motivation to live through your life. Really live, live. Not just be alive, not like physically alive, but to live, be alive, learn, crave, love. You can learn to increase your mindfulness to get clear about your desires. So I think people think like mindfulness or quiet time or meditation or prayer can be about, you know, shutting down the desire. The truth is if you utilize that time period to get you really clear on what you desire, it can absolutely help you be more intentional. So there are ways that you can increase your mindfulness to get really, really clear on your desire. And I'm specifically going to focus on food, but you can do this in life too. So first, you want to get really specific on what you're craving or desiring. For example, I hear all the time, I crave sugar. I crave sugar all the time, right? Or or otherwise, I desire sugar. So I'll go all sugar? Like, is it really all sugar or is it a type of sugar or is it sugar in food? Because do you really want to like take sugar and just pour it down your throat? Or do you want cake, like sugar in it? Do you want ice cream? Like what specifically are you really desiring? It's really important to be clear. And what are you desiring out of that? Are you wanting the moistness of the cake? Are you wanting the chewiness? Are you wanting the crunchiness? Whatever that is, 
be very specific on what you're desiring. Second, then, you can say, does this craving remind me of anyone or anything? You'd be surprised at how just understanding that can trigger a memory. And that leads you back to why you may be desiring or craving that thing now, that food. Do you have a memory linked with this specific craving? Next, you'd ask, do you have a specific emotional connection to this craving? And how are you feeling emotionally as you think about fulfilling this craving? This is super interesting when I've worked with clients because the truth is, when you really think about fulfilling that desire emotionally, does it scare you? Does it ignite you? Does it light you up? Or does it shut you down? Because that's an interesting twist of events. Sometimes we desire things, but they've been so shut down in the past that if we even think about opening that box, letting that rebel have the language, we wind up shutting it back down just like has been done in our past. And then finally, what are you desiring in your life right now? Is there any relationship to this type of food and what you desire in life? You'd be surprised at the congruence between life and food. And if you start to go there with yourself, you'd be amazed at how much you can actually learn. There's an inevitable paradox of desire. We're born out of desire. And we cannot remember when we were without it. If you think about young babies, they kind of function out of this. We're so used to desiring, we're not conscious in our desires all the time, which only registers with us when they're really intense or maybe when they come into conflict with our other desires. If desire is life, why should we seek to actually control desire? Why do we try to control it, shut it down? Is it just like how we try to control life or maybe control our food? It's our desire to make it more pleasant or less painful or more constructive or less destructive. Instead of trying to control, struggle against, or fight against our desires, what if you worked with them, understood them, got to know them, owned them, maybe spoke them, and acted on them in a healthful way? then you can integrate that into your life. The truth is, your desire to change must be stronger than your desire to stay the same. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.